I didn't see you there. Welcome to our unprofessional and semi-humorous, semi-educational podcast where we switch off telling each other something new and interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't keep doing it. <laughs> I'm Meredith. And I'm Kelsey. Welcome to Keep It Curious, a podcast where a pair of perpetually perturbed pals placate our perturbation by prattling on about our probings and the purposeless ponderings. So how was your week? So the new rock climbing gym that we go to is like clearly set by a six foot tall man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can't reach a lot of stuff. So I, even the ones that are not like, yeah, they're not supposed to be that hard. Dino. I'm like, stretching and like clawing to reach at things so that Honestly? I can complete a fucking wall. But I always, the way I approach rock climbing is like the most Scorpio bullshit ever what? I, I i pick a route and literally call it my nemesis oh my god I, I won't stop until i get through it or they change the route that's exactly how gabe first. is really yeah like he will do a route 45 times until he fucking gets it and hopefully he gets so upset if they change the route before he's completed it but he will spend so a solid hour doing the exact same route over and over and over and over. I'll try it three times. And if I can't get it, it's because I'm not skilled enough and I need to try another wall and get better and then come back to it. And if they change it, well, there will be more walls, you know, like. Yeah, that's like I'll I'll bounce around. Like if I try to do it a bunch of times and it's not going well and like my hands are starting to hurt, I'll switch to something easier so that I can start to like build my strength up and I don't waste all of my strength on this impossible route. But then yeah. if I change it, right, I get so upset. Oh my God, that's so funny. That's that's very similar to how to Gabe attacks a wall. Like his goal that day is to finally get that wall. And that's, I, I just don't have the willpower in me. I, I'm a giver upper. I don't take failure well. <laughs> me neither. So... You guys have learned so much about things you just probably don't care about. All right. Should we just uh, jump right in? Yeah. What are you talking about today, Mary? Uh, So I intended to go one route and classically dove further into a side note. But you know what? I really had fun with it. So I'm going to start off talking about the original topic that I meant to research and then get far, far deeper into uh a side note really yeah so here we go um let's start right in with reincarnation (laughs) i'm really excited too so my original topic was past life regression but that whole thing uh is based off of reincarnation which is basically the rebirth of a soul into a new body Uh, many religions and people believe in reincarnation it's also called rebirth or transmigration uh, fun fact, yeah. according to a paper by Dr. James Paul Pindarakalam, 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 should have looked that up. Um, according to this paper, if reincarnation does take place, it is only one manifestation of survival after physical extinction, and it makes other forms of survival scientific possibilities also. So while I'm not going to get into what other possibilities there are if you're not being reincarnated it does you know 
it does make something interesting to think about. So when he says that, is he saying like, that fucked with my head? Um, I think what he's trying to say is like, if reincarnation is possible, then so too is the idea of other places that your soul could go. Maybe he's talking about religion of heaven and hell. Maybe he's talking about, I don't know a lot of religions. So uh, I want to state right off the bat that a lot of my information came from articles by Walter Semku, 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 uh, an MD, and a paper by Dr. James Paul Penderolicom. Yes. Um, yes. Um, diggity. <laughs> so starting right in on past life regression, uh, which I'll also call PLR. Um, <laughs> It's a long thing to say a hundred times. It is a long thing to say. Um, Past life regression is a highly controversial hypnotic regression therapy in which a person is encouraged to move back in time to re-experience a previous life. Um, Therapists who use past life regression believe that the client's often unexplainable psychological and physical problems such as phobias, illnesses, and unusual abilities could be explained by understanding the traumas unresolved conflicts, mistakes, and even potentially strengths of their previous lives. So discovery of past life events effectively neutralizes the disabling influence of original trauma as most previous life memories focus on unhappy events, unfortunately. Um, Again, the existence of past lives as well as the theoretical ability to access them is highly debated. This isn't Avatar, yo, you can't just like jump in and access your past lives in the spirit world like it's no big deal. So this is kind of why I switched a little bit from uh, past life regression therapy into just reincarnation as a whole. Um, There's a lot of uh, research against past life regression as a concept. Um, So many therapists who aren't on the PLR boat at least think that paying more attention to research into PLR would be more to their advantage than dismissing the whole thing. Um, However, uh, opening this whole Pandora's box of previous lives is not always beneficial to the individual. Potentially, yeah. Yeah, I wondered about that before. Like, I know in some cases and people like have issues that they want to resolve, it makes sense to kind of go back and try to figure it out when other methods might not be working. I read a really interesting book. I think it was uh, Many Lives, Many Masters, if people are interested, that kind of, it was someone who had phobias and it helped her immensely. Wow. But like For people such as myself who don't have any like dramatic phobias, I would kind of be afraid to try it. If it was real, I'm afraid it would mess me up more. <laughs> I mean, that's the exact idea. Like memories remembered may multiply when like released into the conscious mind and then they can't be forgotten again. So if you hadn't had some trauma and you were to do something like past life regression, then remember very vividly a certain way that you died. And then you had a, a new phobia of say, you know, you drowned in a lake and you used to love swimming, but now that you've felt what it was like to die in water, you're scared of water. Totally reasonable. Yeah. It's, it's not exactly um, without its risks. Um And, you know, in their spontaneous experiences, children with reincarnation revelations remember a previous life that ended only a few years before their birth. The average period is somewhere around two years. 
However, with uh, hypnotic past life regression therapy, the interval between the death of the previous personality and the birth of the living person is sometimes longer, say centuries or more. So this is mostly used on adults. Um, that this technique is mostly used on adults um, and more research is needed into the concept of hypnotic past life regression therapy with children. However, it is well known that subjects have a tendency to assign themselves a role of historical importance in previous lives or to identify <laughs> themselves by connection with well-known people and places. So um, yeah, I'm sure it becomes easier to like discredit adults when they have those types of remembrances because it could be something as simple as like you read a plaque in a museum and now you're really remembering this tidbit whereas with kids it's like how do you possibly know that exactly and the same as like oh well maybe you read like a historical fiction about the life of of some certain person and you really wanted to feel a connection to that so you go in for past life regression and you're like, yeah, wouldn't it be so cool to live in colonial times? I feel super connected to colonial times because I read a lot about it when I was a kid. I'm sure a lot of people are like, yeah, I was Cleopatra or <laughs> I was Cleopatra's, you know, right hand man or, or whatever. And it's yeah. again, much harder to not to necessarily disprove, but to validate any of that, you know, theoretically discovered information. A person I'll mention a little bit later who's done a lot of research on reincarnation has concluded that hypnotic regression and presumed previous lives uh, rarely evokes any evidence of real memories. So, I mean, there's a lot of suggested alternative explanations for what people remember in their past life regression therapies could be things like personification, uh, telepathy, spiritual manipulation, all of these are still up for debate. Again, something is definitely being, quote, discovered and whether or not that's an act of imagination or, you know, a soul coming into your body temporarily while you're in a trance and telling them about their lives. In a lot of situations, people who are going in for past life, like regression therapy, are probably like predisposed to want to believe that it's real, which could also exactly. you have bias associated with it if you're someone who believes in it. Yeah, and if you're going in, you don't want to be told, "Oh, we can't access your past lives." But good, thanks for paying for a session. You know, you're going to yeah. find something. It just might not be anything, you know, relevant. So uh, most people in the psychology realm suggest past life regression therapy be a last resort if you really can't seem to solve, you know, whatever trauma caused this phobia. Um, maybe it could be from past life. Uh, but Dr. James Paul Penjarakalam, God, I should learn how to say that. Um, his view is that in the majority of cases in which PLR is successful, uh, are because the patient who was dissatisfied with their current circumstances gains an artificial identity that motivates them to seek new goals. So it doesn't necessarily mean that this past life is real, but regardless, they've they found a solution that's, you know, oh, my fear of water is because in a past life I drowned, but this is a new life and I can be whoever I want to be moving on from there. Or, you know, if they can blame their depression on the fact that you know, some horrible traumatic thing happened to them in a past life, 
and they know that it's got nothing to do with them, they can move forward. A harmless external source to push off the blame too. Exactly. So a lot of people just need an excuse for why they are the way they are. And once they know that, that's that. You can start to move on. Yeah, you can start working on yourself. So getting into reincarnation science. um, So Dr. Ian Stevenson is uh, an MD psychiatrist who worked at the University of Virginia School of Medicine as the chairman of the Department of Psychiatry, uh, Carlson professor of psychiatry and a research professor until his death in 2007. Uh, For 40 years, Dr. Stevenson investigated children who spontaneously remember past lives that could actually be factually validated. So I love this research and I haven't actually, like I know about it and I've read a couple of things, but I haven't dived as deep as I wanted to into Dr. Stevenson specifically research. Oh, you already knew about him. I do know about him. Um, I think he was mentioned on another podcast that we like. Yeah, he studied like thousands of kids. Anyways, I'll stop telling your story. Oh, no, I'm really excited that you know who this is because this is the research that you don't have to do now because I did it. And now you know why it took me so freaking long to do my research. Thanks for Um, doing it for me. Heck yeah. And this is, you know, as concise as I could manage to keep it. But let's be real. This is going to be a minute. So buckle up. Let's dive in. I'm ready. Uh, Most of Stevenson's studies actually don't have a foundation in past life regression therapy. Um, He actually only studied children since he reasoned that children were less likely to fabricate past life memories like we were talking about earlier. Um, Oh, I wondered why he did specifically kids because I'd actually, I talked to my, I talked to Ross about this at one point and he was like, why is it only children? What if other people like adults probably remember stuff too? But that makes sense that he would do it because kids are honest usually. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, because it it really does boil down to, like, a lot of this information is things that children couldn't have known. So he was more interested in trying to validate cases, not just collect hundreds of cases of interesting scenarios. And I've got a couple of those that I'll talk about later that are completely unvalidated, just really fun stories. Could have been somebody's imagination. I hope not, because they're cool. Um, (laughs) But I really wanted to do um, more of the scientific research area first. I'm so stoked. Uh, Stevenson actually demonstrated his skepticism of this uh, technique by pointing out that if the memories of all of the hypnotically regressed subjects claiming to have been present at the crucifixion of Christ were actually true, there would have been no room for Roman soldiers to be in attendance. So many PLR studies inevitably lack scientific discipline uh, that Stevens work exemplifies. That's fascinating. I would have thought that like of all of the places that people would have put themselves in a past life regression scenario, again, given the basic conflict, I would say, between that and like typical Christianity views. I, I would was gonna say, yeah. Assume that people wouldn't regress to that. That's that's interesting. I think that most people of the Christian faith believe that you go to heaven and you just stay there forever. Like it's a constantly. Yeah. That was in in my upbringing, there was no discussion of reincarnation. It was, it was heaven and hell and that's where you go. Oh, right. Yeah. Hell being one of those options. Um, (laughs) Yes. Um, 
So anyways, uh, Stevenson authored around 300 academic papers and 14 books on the subject, and his target audience was fellow scientists. So for those interested in appreciating the actual scientific rigor of his research, such as his use of multiple witnesses to establish corroborated testimony, uh, look up the original reports written by Dr. Stevenson. Uh, they're sure to be super interesting if you want to dive further into this. We don't have time today. So to sum up, Stevenson and his colleagues compiled over 2,500 childhood past life memory cases. And the number of, of childhood past life memory cases that were validated through his research was somewhere around 1,500. I think the actual number is 1,567 validated cases. Wow. where they could find evidence that the past life really existed and they knew information that, you know, would imply that they were indeed the reincarnation of the person that they said they were. That's crazy. Especially like 2000 cases. That's, that's a very high percentage of cases that they are saying they yeah, can confirm. Nearly half of the cases he studied were validated ish. Most of Stevenson's cases actually came from Asia, India, or other areas where the doctrine of reincarnation was already accepted. Uh, in the long run, he made no claim to have proven the existence of reincarnation, but it sure seems like he did. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm more convinced now. Right? Like, I am absolutely more convinced about this uh, than I ever was after this research, even though at no point does he say, Oh yeah, this is proof. It's like, here's some things to think about, really. That's it. I, I appreciate that he's just like, here, here's what I've done. Do with it what you will. But also this was his like life's work. He spent 40 yeah. years assembling this information. So Which how you would be that partial after 40 years blows my mind. If I was him, I would be like, excuse me. Reincarnation is real, and you all need to buckle up for a real conversation about this. Which is incredible because he, I think the reason was that he was so scientifically based, like the way he went about it was so like scientific as opposed to, you know, hooey-hooey, <laughs> uh, that he could never without a doubt prove it but at the same time compiled a really compelling yeah. argument for Which it. Makes it like more convincing so, that he like stayed that detached. Yeah, it's so impressive, so impressive. But now I'll just go over some really brief um, categories or like principles according to Ian Stevenson and brought together in a lot of articles by a man named uh, Walter Semkew, who is a California medical doctor um, who also did a lot of research on past lives and reincarnation. Uh, he compiled this information, but a lot of it is from Ian Stevenson's lengthy research. Every time you say Ian so, Stevenson, I think of Ian Stevens. <laughs> ha ha ha, we can call him Ian Stevens yes. the rest of the time. <laughs> yeah, so basically, uh, I have a lot of sources from Walter Semkew's more uh, accessible version of Ian Stevenson's research. So thank you for that. <laughs> it was I definitely can't a lot. Picturing uh, young Shia LaBeouf. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so hard. 
can say. Okay, I'm going to stop laughing. Oh, you say his name. oh, no, no, we're good. Uh, so the categories, I'm not going to go over all of them. Again, there's a lot, but some fun ones. Um, so physical resemblance, uh, facial features that remain the same from lifetime to lifetime, personality traits. It's especially fun when the stories mention unique quirks from past loved ones that are like present in their children. That's, That's always cool. fun. So the next one is birthmarks and scars from past lives. So um, through this research, about 35% of children who claim to remember previous lives have birthmarks or defects that attribute to the wounds they <gasps> suffered in their previous Ross lives. Ross has a really big birthmark on his back. Potential back wound oh. of a previous life. So somebody teach you, yeah, hypnosis <laughs> and we can find out. Yeah, so... Um, the next category is child prodigies and innate talents. So there is a pattern that powerful souls come back as powerful souls. So like great artists will come back as great artists or those who have made an impact in their past do so again in a subsequent oh my gosh, lifetime. That's so cool. <laughs> I know, right? Same thing with, um, okay, forgot to look up how to say this as well. Uh, xenoglossy. It's spelled X-E-N-O-G-L-O-S-S-Y. category? It means unlearned oh, languages. Okay. Is the ability to understand a foreign language that has not been learned in your contemporary lifetime. Why couldn't but, I get that with Swiss German? Because I don't know what anybody's saying. Oh, God. Well, hey, maybe we just uh, do this past life regression therapy and then suddenly you might know German. If you oh, no, are, I'm, I'm good on the German. It's the Swiss know. German. It's slightly, well, it's very different. I mean, I totally believe you, but knowing <laughs> neither of those languages, I really yeah, never uh, mind. I'm impressed with your ability regardless, because I don't think at this age I would be capable it's of It's really hard, language. and I wish that I had gotten this particular past life feature. <laughs> <laughs> the benefits of past lives. <laughs> like the Avatar, you know. You know everything when you're in Avatar state. Um for people who haven't watched Avatar The Last Airbender, it's on Netflix right now because honestly, it's so good. And I've been doing a lot of, because I'm a grandma stuck in a 27 year old's body, um, I've been doing a lot of felting and embroidery and weaving with Avatar on. I've been felting. I'm making tiny little birds to go on my Christmas tree because my Christmas tree is only ever going to be things that belong on trees. So birds, Pine cones. Oh my god. Acorns. You're gonna teach me how to fell and then we'll be in the craft trifecta because I also weave an embroider and then you and I can just sit and felt and embroider and weave. Oh. A good chunk of our time we would meet up and just like chat while doing embroidery and weaving. So I'm I, I say that I can show you how to felt in the sense that like I've watched a YouTube video that's and perfect. made two birds. I don't like watching YouTubes. Um, I'd rather watch you. Yeah, see, I agree. When it comes to weaving, it's like I could watch a bunch of YouTubes of somebody not easily showing me something where I can ask Kelsey about it because she's taken classes and knows her shit and is a much better weave stress than I am. <laughs> That's like seamstress? No, weave stress. I think there's like a correct yeah. term for that that isn't weave stress, but I like weave stress so much more. Let's go with it because I don't know what it is. Weave stress of San Francisco. Tangent town. Woo. Uh -huh. Taking a train down to Tangent town. <laughs> Sorry, dad joke. <laughs> I love it. Uh, 
All right. The next category. We're only at like six of the 12 right, that I was bit. going to mention. All right. Uh, so the next one is split incarnation or parallel lives, a.k.a. twin souls. And this is not what you would think, uh, since that seems to imply like the whole souls that reincarnate together. This is actually... Um, Apparently, a soul may animate more than one physical body at a time. So this refers to two people of the same soul who were incarnated at the same time what? as splits. So it's like, it's like some horcrux shit it's up in here. Horror. Seriously, doesn't that sound super evil? I mean, it's a fun Let me just one. ask one question because um, I can't let it go. If all... I were to prick one person in the yeah. finger with like a needle, would the other soul feel it? don't believe so so i feel like that would be more like actual twins who i did not do maybe at some point i will do some research into twin shit because like that's just the coolest and as a twin please i do. already want to do that research but as far as i understand when it comes to the, the small cases that involve two souls or sorry one soul being in two bodies uh, you know, I'm going to have to do more research into that because now I'm so intrigued, but I just, you know, that seemed yeah. like a Like two danger. little kids, you point out a picture and both of them are like, that's me from 1940. Because I don't even think that they're necessarily twins when they, like they could be born in different families in different parts of the world and somehow they both know that they're like yeah, You could have a kid in like soul. Scotland and a kid in Indiana who's like the same but how would you yeah. possibly know that is definitely something to look into because i'm curious and there were just so many like really broad categories that i mean there were hundreds probably in the thousands of stories on this website and i only covered two all right well if you're someone so, with a split soul it, it, send us a message oh yeah <laughs> Um, so the next one is the one that we talked about earlier. Uh, you reincarnate in groups within the same lifetime. So Ian Stevenson did a very important twin study in which the past lives of 31 sets of twins, which is 62 people, were actually factually validated. Again, um, 100% of these cases, the twins had significant past life relationships to each other. Um, the most common type of past life relationship was that you, 35% uh, of them were siblings in a past life, 29% of them were friends in a past life, 19% uh, were other family relationships like mothers or fathers, grandparents, oh. that sort of thing. So other family. And then not as many, but uh, still 16% of them were actually spouses. <laughs> so it is mostly within like a, familial relationship uh, as siblings other family relationships and spouses are all kind they're of they're all like your most significant relationships i would say yeah or at least your most yeah. um, immediate family whereas friends still being 29 percent, that is a lot of the cases but um not as common which is too bad it'd be so fun to be reincarnated in another life with you i'm pretty sure we probably are <laughs> hell yeah oh i love that <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> we already are silly. Uh, so uh, another category, uh, these ones are kind of related. Um, change of religions, nationality, or race. Um, so this is one of the stories I'll get into later. So here's a, a tidbit. But um, 
An example of this is that Anne Frank was persecuted and died in a concentration camp as a Jew while her reincarnation, Barbara, was born in a Christian sorry, family in Sweden. Oh, yeah. This is one of the most famous cases of reincarnation is someone who can, as much as anything could be validated, prove that she was Anne Frank in a past life. My job. Isn't that insane? But it does, it does really point out a whole interesting world where it's like, okay, if from reincarnation to reincarnation, you could be on opposite sides of wars in opposite religions that you might have been persecuted for in one life and, yeah, which I, I find, you know, be the yeah, persecutor I find that in so another. Fascinating too. It's like, I, I don't, it just, it blows my mind. It's so much to think about conceptually. Yeah, and the the guy who wrote these articles, uh, Walter, he you know talks a little bit about the fact that it's like okay, if if that's really possible, if we're all reincarnated and we can really end up opposite side of wars, why would we even have wars? That would kind of negate the whole point of a lot of you know. Yeah, and that's like part conflict. of part of what I want so badly to be true about reincarnation is like the fact that if everyone believed in it, there would be no need for any of like it would give people a different perspective that is desperately needed. I mean, honestly, like think about our current situation right now. If knowing your past life, being a black man, for example, and then suddenly being a white man in your next life, wouldn't you be more of an ally to the Black Lives yeah. Movement, knowing that you yourself yeah, like knowing had that been I would think that? that you would be less racist, you'd be more aware of your white privilege, white supremacy would be a thing of the past. I did not even dive into uh, the whole concept of karma, and it's like, okay, if you're a horrible person in this life, that might mean that you're born in an opposite life to give you some perspective on, you know, the horrible person yeah. that you were in your past life. I don't know. I didn't even dive into that. This is already Tangent Town. Um, but another thing that does come up a lot in past life regression as well is uh, a change of gender or transsexualism. So uh, most people maintain the same gender from one lifetime to another. But um, fun fact, uh, research from, again, Stevenson's research showed that in only about 10% of cases, a soul changed gender this specifically came from Stevenson's validated reincarnation cases, which we mentioned before were 1,500 cases. And so in all 1,500 cases, only 10% of the children. I just, I feel as though I probably was a man in a previous life. No shit, I mean, like, I, <laughs> Not in the sense of like, I really have any like to stand on there. I don't know if I believe in this. And I'm like, well, if I do, I was a man. Well, by the end of this, you right. probably will. <laughs> so uh, another subcategory is uh, phobias from past lives, um, where I talk a lot about that, um, as well as uh, geographic past life memory. So that's, again, like knowing where you grew up, uh, recognizing things when you get there. Um, we'll talk more about that in our case studies. And then finally, uh, spirit beings, communications, and ghosts. So again, 22% of what was at the time 1,200 validated childhood past life memory cases reported um, announcing dreams often occur where a soul announces or predicts its upcoming incarnation in dreams, which are conveyed to those who will be the friends or family of that soul in the next mm. incarnation. That's interesting. 
So yeah, it's so interesting. And I think I have a case that talks about that too, or at least I read a lot <laughs> where, you know, it's someone found out, no, I, I do have a case that talks okay. about it. So I'll, I'll get into that later. Um, so this is a toddler's past life memories of being Anne Frank. So Anne Frank died in the Bergen Belsen concentration camp in 1945. Uh, less than 10 years later in 1954, Barbara Carlin was born to Christian parents in Sweden. Uh, when she was less than three years old, Barbara, Barbara uh, told her parents that her name was not Barbara, but Anne Frank. <laughs> Barbara's parents had no idea who Anne Frank was, as they were unaware of the book uh, Anne Frank, Diary of a Young Girl, also known that as The Diary of Anne Frank. That blows my mind that there was a time period. Um, like, I would, in my mind, as soon as Anne Frank died, the diary was published and everyone knew who she was. Obviously, that's not realistic. <laughs> so, Barbara recalls that her parents wanted her to call them Ma and Pa, but Barbara knew that they were not her real parents. Um, Barbara even told her mother that her real parents would soon come to get her and take her to her real home. Um, these statements are actually really typical of childhood memory reincarnation cases researched by Ian Stevenson. So this is this is a common. Yeah, that makes sense. I would think as a start. kid, that would be very confusing to be having all these memories that aren't related to your current life and you're a child. <laughs> Or more specifically, like you're having all these memories of a past life and you're like, wait, this isn't the body or the person that I'm yeah, supposed to be. Yeah, that'd be really like, disorienting. Which I do uh, neglect to mention later, which I'll just say now, um, a lot of cases uh, talk about the fact that the child chooses their next parent, like that they have time to look down on the world and decide what family they want to be a part of. There's a lot of children who talk about like, oh, I picked you. I did. Um, In that one book that I was talking about earlier that I read, I, they did mention that like, you're almost like asked if you are ready to return. Um, like there's, there's apparently, according to a lot of stories, a lot of choice involved in when, how, where. That's so who. fascinating to me. Again, that doesn't get into the whole like karma. Like obviously anyone would want to choose to be in a good family, but again, it's not like you can foresee the future. You can just see what's currently happening and hope that you yeah. made the right choice in theory. Um, yeah, so interesting. Um, but yeah, so during her childhood, Barbara told her parents details of her life as Anne, which her parents thought were fantasies at the time. Again, they hadn't read the book yet. Um, in addition, Barbara had nightmares in which men ran up the stairs and kicked in the door to her family's attic's hiding place. Barbara also had a... Uh, intense fear of men in uniforms uh even as an adult in order to get over her phobia of uniforms as well as to with horses because that's awesome barbara became a mounted oh, swedish police officer barbara had an aversion to eating beans since childhood which the frank family had existed on for nearly two years in the attic um barbara would also only take baths not showers um as anne frank was first taken to the auschwitz uh, concentration camp where gas chambers were used. Uh, this makes a lot of sense. Barbara also resisted having her hair cut. Again, in concentration camps, new arrivals were stripped naked and heads were shaved following the process of disinfection. So really, really dark stuff. Um, but uh, when Barbara was seven or eight years of age, she became confused when her school teacher began talking about Anne Frank in class. Oh. Um, 
Exactly. Barbara knew that she was Anne Frank, and now suddenly she's oh the God, topic oh of discussion God. in class. I know, right? Um, Barbara received her first validation of being Anne Frank when she was around 10 years old. Um, so by the time Barbara was 10, the diary of Anne Frank had been published and distributed in Sweden, and her parents had become aware of who the historical Anne Frank was. So the family decided to go to Amsterdam, and at their hotel, Barbara's father, you know, picked up the phone and asked for a taxi to take them to the Anne Frank Museum, when Barbara suddenly exclaimed, we don't need a taxi, it's not far to walk from here. So Barbara was so certain that it didn't even occur to her parents to object, and they just kind of followed her. Um, we'll soon be there. It's just around the next corner, Barbara told her parents. She herself wasn't at all surprised when they arrived at the Anne Frank house after a 10 minute walk through the twisting streets of the city. city to walk around. <laughs> yeah. It's twisty. And it was definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that's strange, Barbara said when they stood in the front of the steps up to the house. She said it didn't look like this before. They looked wonderingly and her parents didn't know what to say. They entered the house and went up the long, narrow staircase. Barbara, who had been so carefree when showing them the way there, suddenly went white in the face. She broke out into a cold sweat and reached for her mother's hand. Her mother was horrified when she felt Barbara's hand, which was cold as ice. When they entered the hiding place, the same terrors overcame Barbara that she had experienced so many times in her dreams. She found it hard to breathe and panic spread through her body. When they went into one of the smaller rooms, she suddenly stood still and brightened up a little. Uh, Barbara looked at the wall in front of her and exclaimed, look, the pictures of the film stars are still there. The pictures of the movie stars that Anne had clipped and affixed to the wall, which Barbara saw at that moment, made her feel happy, almost as if she had mm -hmm. come home. Her mother, however, stared at the blank wall and couldn't understand this at all. What pictures? What? The wall is bare. Barbara looked again and saw that this was true. The wall was bare and her mother was so confounded that she felt driven to ask one of the guides whether there had been pictures on the wall at one time. Oh yes, the guide replied. They had only been taken down temporarily to be mounted under glass so that they wouldn't Holy be destroyed shit. or stolen. Barbara's mother didn't know what to say yet. And to be honest, I, I don't remember the book as well myself, but I don't recall there being very many photos in that book. Even if there was potentially a description, she wouldn't know which wall, where they would have been, what they would have looked yeah. like, you know, that. Um, I, 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 yeah, I don't think that there were photos in the diary of Anne Frank, but I could be wrong. Um, yeah, so uh, Barbara's mother did not know what to say. Um, she asked, how in the world could you find your way here, first of all, having never been to Amsterdam or getting directions, then insist that the steps outside were different, and then see pictures on the wall that weren't there. And be right. Um, and be right. Um, so here are just some like fun similarities between her and Anne Frank. Um, so like Anne Frank, Barbara Carlin was a childhood writing prodigy at the age of 12. Her first book of prose was published, and this book, titled Man on Earth, became the best-selling prose slash poetry book Stop in it. Swedish history. And, like, that's prose. Seriously. I feel like it's harder so again, to be, like, a bestseller than, like, writing a children's book at the age of right? 12 would make more sense. Yeah. Powerful people become powerful people in their next lives. So cool. And, again, there is 
so much more to this story. I am just telling you some interesting highlights because I just can't talk about all of it. But another really fun part was when Barbara met her past life cousin, Buddy Elias, who was the president of the Anne Frank Foundation. Uh, Buddy Elias, who was the, the president of the Anne Frank Foundation at the time, was the last living relative of Anne Frank, um, who heard about Barbara's claim to be the reincarnation of his cousin. And uh, Buddy and Anne Frank, as cousins, had played together in their youth. So Buddy remembered Anne Frank. Buddy, who was a non-believer, invited Barbara to his home for dinner, though he asked Barbara's publisher not to reveal who he was in relation to Anne Frank, just that he was, you know, a fan of her books, which by that time she'd written many more, since I think they were adults at this point. Barbara then relates that when they first saw each other, she and Buddy fell into each other's arms and cried together. Barbara says that she had an instant recognition that Buddy was someone she knew and loved from the Frank lifetime. They spoke for two hours. That's so sweet. I know, right? Like, and Buddy became a believer as well. You know, they spoke for two hours at the time of their first meeting, and they continued to be good friends for 20 years until well, Buddy's like the death fact in that he had such an emotional reaction so, upon, like, immediately meeting her. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he truly felt that there was something there, um, even as someone who didn't believe in reincarnation, just as, you know, a kid that Anne Frank used to play with when she was a child, um, a family member that she used to play with when she was a child, and knowing that there was some connection in Barbara, just so magical. That's um, And also, you know, validating, because it's also like, yeah, like as a sole survivor, when, you know, half of your family had been destroyed by the Nazis, to meet in the next lifetime someone who had been murdered in such a horrendous way and know that they were in a way okay. Like even though they're in a new life, it's still that soul that was snuffed out during this crazy period in in time and knowing that she was okay and living another happy, fulfilling life. Yeah. Like it it doesn't take the pain away from like the previous experience, but it's got to like be a little bit of a a salve on the situation. Exactly. Like in all of these cases, you know, someone had to die to be reborn and rarely are those deaths a pleasant thing. Um, Yeah. It seems like most of these situations, it's like some tragedy happened and that's the only reason that they are able to remember a past life because otherwise you died happily and comfortably and then you moved on and you start your whole new life without needing to remember your past life versus people who died in tragic ways and are still connected to the suddenness of their death. So that's just like a very brief look into the Anne Frank story. It is absolutely worth diving further into all of this. Again, I will post my sources at the bottom, one of the websites where I got this information, the one that uh, Walter had uh, compiled, it there are hundreds of stories on there that are worth going through, and there is way more information on this one. So I will post those sources so people can do their own research. So my next uh, study from Stevenson's research was the, uh, uh, the subject is twins. Which, you know, obviously I have a bit of a fondness for being a twin myself. Uh, 
but John and Florence Pollock had two daughters named Joanna and Jacqueline who were tragically killed in childhood when a woman deliberately drove her car onto the sidewalk that the girls were working walking on. Super tragic. That whole thing was like a this woman didn't know them and she just she just lost her own children in a custody battle or something like that. And Go ahead. effectively, um, this is really dark, but uh, when she drove onto the sidewalk to uh, aim at these children, uh, they were stuck <gasps> between the wall and the car and they were unable to. Oh, that's sick. So yeah, it's super disturbing um, and just tragic. Yes. Okay. A year and a half after the daughters were killed, Florence had identical girls named Jillian and Jennifer. Uh, Florence's doctor had actually insisted that she would have one child, not twins, despite John, the husband's certainty that Florence would have twins and that their deceased daughters would oh. be reborn to them. So before even being born, he was certain this was going to happen. And Florence was an, a, not a non-believer, I think, but she just, you know, that's that's a lot of hope to be bestowing upon I, yeah. unborn children i'd be so a little worried just, about my husband if he was saying you know that. I'd, be, like, I'd but just assume that he was having troubles coping honestly i would too like it was only a year and a half later after both of their children who were not twins they were just i think one was 11 and one was nine i believe so little. and then they have them both taken away at the same time in such a random horrifying accident i know this was supposed to be a positive podcast and obviously i'm not doing that because here i am talking about death but there's a positive interesting stories that's that's the gist yeah there's a silver lining to this story you know john was convinced that they were going to have the same girls souls reborn into their twins um and when the girls started speaking when they were around three years old jillian spontaneously pointed to the birthmark on jennifer's forehead and said that's the mark jennifer got when she fell on the bucket in her contemporary life jennifer had not had any injury that would explain that scar it was a birthmark the tragically deceased jacqueline on the other hand had fallen on a bucket and incurred a head wound that required stitches and resulted in a scar in the same anatomical Whoa. place yeah but also these new girls remembered that from That's their past insane. lives which and even more interestingly this is one of those few stories where it's like the the people that are born are still the daughters like there was no change in time because it was again only a year and a half later that she had these twins so it's not a story where you know a grandma is reborn as the daughter of her daughter or you know this is actually like she had two daughters those two daughters died and then those two daughters being born again remember being those same that's daughters so just crazy it's just crazy right so shortly after this still around the ages of around three and four uh john and florence the parents took out the box of toys that had belonged to their deceased daughters and the twins immediately gravitated towards them saying santa claus had given them the dolls and indeed the dolls had been given to joanna and jacqueline as mm. christmas presents you know the deceased girls um but you know pulling a box out of the basement is not santa it's just a box in the basement. 
but uh, their mother had said that she had actually heard Jillian and Jennifer more than once talking to each other about the fatal accident of Joanna and Jacqueline as if they were reliving it. Um, something that, you know, they hadn't spoken to the girls about. They didn't need them at, you know, this young age to know about, you know, this tragic death. I, I don't know that it wasn't never mentioned, but certainly it would not have been mentioned yeah, in but detail to children. And like, yes, you were pinned between a wall and a car. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so Joanna and Jillian both enjoyed writing and producing plays, utilizing costumes for their childhood dramas, um, which was something that, again, Jacqueline and Jennifer had also done a lot. And Joanna's maternal behavior towards her younger sister, Jacqueline, was replicated in the relationship between Jillian and Jennifer. Uh, the same sister being the somewhat more motherly, not motherly, maternal figure. Um, because again, they weren't initially born as twins. They were born right. a few years apart and one was an older sister. So also, um, though the family moved from Hexham to Whitley Bay when the twins were only nine <laughs> months old. <laughs> I know, right? Whitley Bay. <laughs> Bay. Sounds so fun. I know, right? But um, when the family returned to Hexham for a visit, the twins had knowledge of the location of the park and swings where they had played in their previous lives. Because again, at nine months old, they had never experienced that. They came back and remembered as yeah. children they had played there as, you know, children in another life. And it doesn't stop when they grow up. That's the crazier thing. Like, even when Jillian was 23 years old, uh, in a conversation with her father, she described playing in a sandpit in the garden of a large detached house. And she gave a really detailed description of the house and its gardens, lawns, and orchards. Um, but this description accurately described a house that the family had occupied in Wickham. However, uh, the family had left this house in Wickham when the deceased daughter, Joanne, was only oh, wow. four years old. So this was many years before her death. And, you know, Jillian remembered this as if it was her own memory, like was so sure that this was something yeah. that she had done. Um, she believed lived in this house when she was a young child and her father had to explain to her that she had never lived in her Wickham house in their current lifetime, which, you know, at 23, that would just be like, Oh my God, this memory I've had this whole time is not from my lifetime. Again, these aren't They're forgotten. Past. Yeah. I mean, it, it is very common for children like under the age of five to speak about past lives. Again, that's where half of this research is coming from. But the fact that this was remembered, I, I guess like at, a, at a certain age, you start actually remembering information versus yeah. just spouting information. Um, and they were still doing this so late into their ability to remember it that it was never forgotten. They always knew that they were the reincarnated version of their parents and original sure children. Very rare. Like you said, people don't tend to remember these things later in life. But I think the other thing is like a lot of these things, are, since they're just, um, you know, blown off a little bit, they're like, oh, well, you know, kids talking weird, crazy things. If you don't feed into it, I imagine they would yeah. have forgotten as well. But it's kind of hard not to ever talk to your kids about the fact that they had two sisters which weren't sisters, it was them. Like, oh, you had two older sisters, but just kidding, you never did either because you are the same sisters, so you can't be your sisters. <laughs> you are you. 
living in that life, can you imagine like, okay, any child who dies in youth, if you have a child after that, you would talk about the child that was gone in some small way to know like, hey, you had a brother, but your brother passed before you were born. But it's like, you passed before you were born and then you came back to me. Like, that's just, that's a lot to take in. That's, I, I mean, especially, I, I can't imagine these parents, you know, I think it would be, again, like, the the shock and horror of losing your children could never be replaced or forgotten, but a weird silver lining in that, like, you still get those exact, almost same children, just now you've got twins, and they will constantly reference the children that they used to be but are still with you. Like you never really lost your children. You just had a really, really horrible, tragic accident that effectively your children, in a sense, almost lived through. Yeah, their souls survived it and came back in different bodies. Yeah, it's like I was still going to have these children no matter the fact that they passed. Like she still got those children. And this time they lived to adulthood. Like, I just, I mean, thank God. I I actually, I haven't done any research on, like, past age 23. So I certainly hope they're still alive. And if you guys ever hear this, please We would love to talk to you. Oh, my God. Again, as a twin, I would just love to. So, okay. Back to Tangent Town. Um, At some point, I am going to have to talk about this instead of referencing it. But psychicness might somewhat run in my family so i've mentioned this to you before but there's this really great story that i love about my own birth that you know when my mom was pregnant with us uh one she had thought she was sterile so the fact that she got pregnant at all was i didn't know that shock um yeah, she'd been told all all growing up, like when she got married as well, she, you know, told my dad, look, we can probably never have kids before they got married. She told him that. And he still decided to be with her. But she'd been told growing up that she was never going to be able to have children. Um, so when they did actually end up pregnant, it was a huge shock to the family and more of a shock that, um, you know, going through all of the, you know, ultrasounds and medical appointments and whatnot um the doctor always said there's just one child but yeah but my dad's uh mother so my grandmother constantly like to the point that my mom almost had like a, a family meltdown about this uh my grandma was always telling my mother every time she came over you're gonna have twins and my mom was like the doctor said there is one child there is one heartbeat there are no twins stop saying like to the point where she almost told my dad i will not see your mother until these babies are born because every time she saw her she was saying you will have twins you will have twins and then later into her um pregnancy lo and behold they went in for the ultrasound and there were two heartbeats but it wasn't something that they known from the beginning and but I would assume that if you were told that you were sterile it would be less likely for you to have twins 
like if you had in vitro, sure, the odds of multiple people, sorry, of, of multiple eggs being fertilized, that makes sense. But this was an entirely natural conception, which was, as far as my mom knew, yeah. impossible. As a, as a side note to that too, you know, even in the womb, uh, interestingly enough, I don't necessarily feel that I was born the wrong gender per se, but even during the pregnancy, they never knew whether or not I was going to be a boy or a girl because I was shy. So I, I wish my mom could remember the boy name she had picked out for me, but she hasn't. But it did feel like one of those weird, like, wasn't supposed to happen, but ended up yeah. being twins. Yeah, it was predicted. It came true. Um, I've never asked my mom either about like if we've had any of our own like speaking to each other in ways as children that would imply a past life or that we'd known each other in a past life or something like that, which I will absolutely ask now because my mom wouldn't be like a believer in that either necessarily. But yeah, I always wondered, it's like, if it's so common, the twins in, in general, like a hundred percent of the cases of twins, as you mentioned earlier, had been, or should say a hundred percent of the twins whose cases were validated, um, had been somewhat related to each other in a past life, which means you as and twins, Kelsey would have been. Yeah. Like, oh, by the way, um, I don't know if I mentioned this in the show yet, um, this is Meredith and Kelsey's podcast, but also I just so happened to have a twin also named Kelsey. So sometimes we will reference Kelsey by name and no one will know it who may, I'm talking may about. not be me. So may or may not be um, my podcast, buddy. That's one of the, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> my title. Maybe I'll just say twin every time. Like it sounds like a weird, humble we'll just brag, avoid but also, like, <laughs> you guys have the same name. Like my twin Moving on. She's a wonderful person. Thank you very much. Anyways, twinnies. So um, that was the end of that story. I just rambled way past the end of it. So now I'm just going to get into two unverified past life reincarnations that I found really fun on Reddit because there's a couple different Reddits called um, like past lives and reincarnation Reddits. I think it's like r slash those (laughs) Um, so this one's called my father's past life has been verified. So I say that like, these aren't scientifically verified, but in this, in some way, you know, they did verify them themselves okay. on Reddit. Uh, and this was by, uh, goosey mom. Like, handle. <laughs> like mother goose? <laughs> Gaggling goose. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's a great name. Gaggling <laughs> Oh, okay, I saw baby ducks today in the river. Cute. Tis the season. Every time we go to the park near our house, which I won't triangulate, uh, but also I'm moving, so who cares? Um, there's always like little goslings, and I just get to watch so them cute. grow up. So soft, so fluffy. Oh, and then they're not, and then they're all gangly and like extra fluff and weird <laughs> spots. And then they're adults, and then they just look sleek sleek little water so birdies okay <clears throat> and new <laughs> back to mother so, goose about 10 years ago uh my father and my mother went to scotland they traveled without a map and just kind of went wherever they wanted um so they got to a specific part of the countryside and my father went sort of blank 
he told my mother that in three miles, they would reach a large field and that they would be stopping. She sort of shrugged it off, thinking that he'd heard about it and forgotten to mention it. Uh, but sure enough, a few miles ahead, they found a massive field that's a historical site. Uh, they got out and go straight, uh, I'm gonna assume out of the car, and he goes straight for the back part of the historical site, ignoring the tourist information center. At a completely nondescript spot near a boulder, he stops dead and collapses. He starts sobbing and proceeds to spend the next three hours telling my mother about what happened here. He tells her that this is the spot where he died. He was cleaved by a man on horseback. I'm and sorry, he, did not he was die quickly. cleaved? Cleaved. That's a brutal way to go. And he didn't even die from it. Like he did eventually. It was a mortal wound, but it wasn't an immediate death. Yikes. His uh, last thoughts were of his oh. wife and children. And he described the sights and sounds of the battle and how terrified they all were to be there. He described his life from before, uh, where he came from and what his profession was. I believe he said a blacksmith. He tells her all this and they go to the tourist in center where they can verify what they can. The guide is actually a little weirded out, but tells them that, yes, this was the site of a very large battle known as the Bottle, sorry, the Battle of Cooladin Moor. The Battle of Cooladin Moor. Sounds like there should be paintings about it. Um, my father asks the man, when were the trees on the far edge planted? They weren't there before. The guide tells them that they've been there for at least a century. They leave utterly baffled and very frightened about the entire thing. As the days go by, more memories begin to surface and he remembers his name and the name of the town he was from. Uh, they travel to that city and look into the archives and sure enough, they find him. The records include his date of death, which is 100% accurate to what my father remembers. He had a wife and I think two kids. He remembered where his house was, but couldn't bear to visit. He requested that they leave that part of the country shortly after and as he was becoming obviously overwhelmed with emotion at remembering this past life, death, and family that he, you know, didn't get to reconnect with. That's the other thing. It's like a lot of these stories, you know, you remember a past life, but unlike the story before where, you know, you get to go back to the loving family you had, a lot of these stories, you know, that family, for all they knew, he just past and yeah that's that like that. it, if if people don't reincarnate together then that was that for sure and then exactly so like even if his you know family might have still been alive um you know they didn't imply that it was uh you know he's an adult he's got kids he's at least in his 20s i imagine if not probably more like his 40s um they didn't say his age on this, but, you know, if you're in your 40s and you've lived a whole new life and you're just discovering that you had a wife and kids, the wife probably already passed. This was a battle that happened. Oh, wait, who am I kidding? Definitely passed. He is around 40 and the trees were over a century old. This was a very old battle yeah. at a historical site. Yeah, exactly. Like, as far as, you know, if this was his most recent life, which again, as an adult, is it your most recent life? Is it you know, a life that was a couple lives ago Who's and you don't to even know. say if time um, is linear? Exactly. Or if it is linear, like what bullet point you are in, in your yeah. 
in that line. Maybe he remembered like four lives ago and he did reincarnate sometime where he could have met his family. And for all we know, maybe he did. He just doesn't remember that part. He stumbled upon a battle where he died in a past life, remembered that because that was a, you know, poignant part of his past lives. It's just, it's so interesting. It's like, how many lives could he have had? And then did they overlap at all? They certainly didn't in this lifetime that he's remembering because it was a century past, but yeah, they could have. Crazy. Lost my mind. So the next story. Um, Daughter's Traumatic Past Life by Patient Grizzly. Patient Grizzly Bear. Um, weird you know the i the love reddit reading tag. reddit usernames it's like reading am usernames <laughs> yep yep anyways um so i thought you all might appreciate my family's experience of the past two years my youngest has always had a bizarre habit of grabbing and squeezing necks which by the way get that child checked out um one day when she was two she grabbed my throat and i asked her why she does that she said, oh, I'm sorry, mommy. It's not A, let's, we're just gonna call her A in this story. Um, I'm sorry, mama, it's not A, it's the monster in my arm. Two monsters in my ear tell me to do it. You did my neck in the way past, then proceeded to squeeze her own neck. First of all, again, okay. get that child checked out. That's real scary if at two she is trying to murder you. I think a child's like, oh, um, this might be a murder. Um, So the next time that she did this, I asked her what her name was before she was A. She responded quickly, Edith. A few days later, as we were playing, she made her stuffed animal say to me, if you touch me again, you go to the doctor. Your mom go to the doctor and your grandma go to the doctor too. Uh, Yikes. And then when asked where she heard something like that, she said, when I got sharped and died. (laughs) Can I give this kid back and have a new one? So, yeah. I don't like it. Again, she's two. Yeah. That coming out of a two-year-old's mouth. This would be great uh, inspo for a horror film. Little kid in the night going, Mm -hmm. I got sharp shapes, mom. Oh, God. I hated it. I hated (laughs) it even then. Even though I said it first, that was in that voice. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, uh, uh, so yeah, when I asked her who sharped her, she told me my mom Aww, did. Oh, kiddo. So this is where it gets sad. Uh, a few days later, she hit me on the head with a stick and said, I'm going to slice your head so you won't hurt anymore. Girl. <clears throat> so yeah, it gets a little darker from here. Um. At one point, she held a butter knife to her older brother's throat and said, I know you scared to be with daddy. I cut your head off. It'd be okay. My husband, by the way, is a wonderful daddy and no one would fear to be with him. So obviously this is not a current life problem. Uh, Not obviously, because it is just a scary thing to hear a child say, especially if you don't believe in reincarnation, because yikes, that is psycho. Um... Yeah, so she also shared with us about going to see sea turtles, which we had never done, and that she said she had put lotion on her arms to go see them when they went in the water. She also shared stories about her and her older sister, older sister, sorry, whom she referred to as Dono, when 
uh, one in which they had to run from dogs and climb a tree, but the dog bit her leg. Um, so this is where it's somewhat validated. Um, after doing some research, I figured a mother murdering her daughter would make the news. I found an Edith and Diana Moreno who had been mm. murdered by their mother. The mother had cut their throats. She was planning on committing suicide and was afraid her daughters would be sent to live with their father. So she murdered them first and then failed in her suicide attempt. So yeah, that um, would explain the whole don't want you to live with your dad thing that she had threatened her, you know, contemporary life older brother with, which again, as the child who was murdered, she was actually just like weirdly reenacting the scenes that her mother had you know, forced upon them. Yeah, uh, which makes sense after a traumatic experience as a child. Being curious, I pulled up the street address on Google Maps and called my daughter over to look. She got super excited and told me, that's where the beach is. Go down that way. And where's my old bad car? It's down that way. She informed us about a year ago that at the time, our soon-to-be-born cousin was actually her sister, Diana. That's right, no more Dono, straight up called him Diana. Um, and Dono might have been, again, she mentioned this sister at age like two, so she might have just had trouble pronouncing the word Diana. That's not- and This is before the cousin was even born? She mentioned before the cousin was even born that she knew this new cousin- that it was born. Diana. Yeah, her reincarnated sister. Um, Weird. And she's writing this from the future where the cousin is now born. Um, since about a week after his birth, she rarely makes any mention of her past life, but she does occasionally squeeze a neck and then apologize. Uh, <laughs> I know, still scary. Still Weird looking, impulse. Yeah, still looking to the psychiatry for that child because, again, like even if she was murdered similarly in a past life, that doesn't mean that she has to be reenacting those things, I would think. And clearly had residual effects. Yeah. Um, before, I had never given much thought to reincarnation, but it didn't seem impossible to me, but I wouldn't have argued for it as factual. Uh, there is now no doubt in my mind that reincarnation is true. And myself, I actually, uh, me, Meredith, uh, found the story in the LA Times myself. And wow, was it super sad, but reading it did make me happy to know that like maybe those poor girls really were reborn um, into the same family too. Like one is a cousin, yes, but they were both born into, you know, related families. And again, if it's, if it is about like this choice that children get to choose when they're born into a family, you know, maybe her sister just couldn't wait to be born again. And when, you know, her what is that? A, a sister? Is that a cousin? Yeah. When, a cousin, yeah. Yeah. So they, they chose to have two different moms because they just so happened to both be pregnant at a time that was close to each other versus like waiting for potentially, you know, the first mother to get pregnant again and they could be sisters again. They were like, no, 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 like this is close enough. Let's just be born at the same yeah. time. And then you might miss the whole lifetime in the same family. Yeah. Cause I mean, technically, if you think about it that way, you know, she was already being born what, three-ish, two, three, four years after her sister. So again, she could wait until, if, if there is choice, she could wait until potentially uh, Edith's 
new family decided to have another child or she could be born through the sister to have that relationship in a closer timeline. Cause I can't imagine how also awful it would be to be like, Oh, I used to be two or three years apart from my sister. When we both died, one of us was born 10 years apart from the other one. And we never really got to live, you know, being close in age is really important, especially in families. I think, um, I think it's so. just, Sometimes it can be hard to talk to a seven-year-old about what's going on in their lives as a 20-year-old. You know, it's just, (laughs) it's just not as relevant to your personal life. So it's good to be similarly aged children together again. So yeah, those are all of my stories. Um, Potentially doozy. Right? Just so insane. All right. Uh, follow us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you're listening to hear more. Our Instagram is Keep It Curious Podcast, or check out our website at keepitcurious.wixsite.com slash podcast. Wixsite is spelled W-I-X-S-I-T-E. Uh, if you like what you hear, leave us a review. Uh, that helps us out a lot. And okay. that's it. <laughs> okay, y'all. Keep it curious. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye.